Hello guys, this is your travel buddy Shruti and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Second Story Podcast. Our today's guest has been featured in Guinness Book of World Records not once but twice. Let us welcome an amazing traveler Gana Goffers and let us travel the globe through his stories. Hi Gana. Hello Shruti, nice to talk to you again. Nice to talk to you too. How are you doing? I am doing great. It's really sunny here in Norway and you know the summer has just started and uh, well we are not that used to uh, such nice weather in early June so this is good. Oh that's that's, <laughs> that's lovely to hear. So my first question to you is uh, when I say the word travel which are the two words that come to your mind? I would have to say freedom as one of these words uh-huh. uh, just being liberated being able to travel. And to be able to travel, you know, you have to, you're very lucky. I feel very lucky that I'm actually able to do that. A lot of people uh, are not. Um, so, so that's the one thing. And also the, the, the feeling of freedom when you're out and, and you, you travel, not only the ability to travel uh, and being allowed to do so, but the freedom you feel when you see these new places, you meet these new people and you try the different foods and all the rest of it, the different air you know different smells and all the mm-hmm. rest of it so freedom for sure the other one i would say is is understanding um and it, which is pro- probably even more important in many ways it's understanding different cultures different people different religions uh, understanding we are we are all same but we're all different at the same time and and you know seeing your own country and yourself from the outside while traveling really contributes to that so freedom uh, and understanding would be my two words lovely those two words actually kind of sum up the whole concept so um let's let's come to and let's talk about the records that you hold i mean five continents in one day how did you do that <laughs> <laughs> well that was a crazy idea i guess i was in istanbul in turkey and i was traveling by bus from the european side of of istanbul to the asian side and in 2 minutes i i was in two continents and i this got me thinking and i just i just thought how many continents can i actually visit in in one day and i started looking on uh, on the map i started looking for um plane tickets and all the rest of it and i i soon figured out that okay well it sh- should be possible with five continents But one thing, just like physics class, I guess in school, mm-hmm. one thing is theory. The other thing is practice. So even though I, I sort of knew it was possible to do five continents, I, I had to prove it. So I called a friend of mine, Adrian Butterworth. He's a filmmaker from mm-hmm. the UK in Bournemouth, and I told him about my idea, and and he was he loved it, and he um, he agreed to come along. And uh, well, we started in um, the Asian side uh, of Istanbul, as a matter of fact, where I got the idea. Mm-hmm. And um, but I didn't want to do uh, the European side in Istanbul as well. I sort of wanted to do five countries on five continents and not sort of cheat in Istanbul. So we started there, went to Casablanca in Morocco, in Africa. We then flew to Paris in Europe and continued to Dominican Republic in North America and finished off in Caracas in Venezuela in South America all using scheduled aircraft and um, all eventually in in all cases in all destinations we ventured outside the airport because sort of really to um to, to experience um uh, the area and not only the airport 
That's that's amazing. I mean, that's that's like an amazing adventure. Like you just thought and you did it. Well, <laughs> well that's true. Yeah, of course. It, it cost uh, some money. It wasn't very expensive. We were flying economy uh, mm-hmm, class. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah, I I decided to spend my my money on it. And uh, a crazy idea, but also something very liberating to do that. And just knowing that you did some something that no one else had ever done before. And so many people came back to me via Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and email and even postcards just saying, wow, that's so cool. Thanks for inspiring me. You know, I, I realize I can do pretty much anything um, when it comes to traveling. So, so it was liberating to me, uh, but it, it seems to have been liberating to other people as well. <laughs> no, but that was, that was lovely. So from one record, let's move on to another record that you hold that is like, 199 countries that to uh, that you have traveled and then there was this another record wherein you traveled 19 countries in 24 hours yeah well uh, i am the youngest person to have visited every country i I count 198 countries i'm the youngest person to have done that while working full time and i'm uh, and when i did this i was 37 years old and there are a few people who have done this um while they were younger than me but they've traveled full time, uh, so they have sort of done this. Um, uh, you know, they they've had usually had a lot of money, and they've just traveled. Whereas I've actually done this while I had a full time job. So I had to I had to rely on five weeks of holiday in Norway. We have some national days, and we have the weekends, of course, and then, and then try to fit it all in. So, uh, but it was uh, it, it was just a goal. I sort of. Um, I sort of knew I, I had to do it at some some point in time. And uh, again, um, when I get an idea, I like to f- finalize it. And I, I finally did this uh, a while back. So how much time did you take to complete the whole journey? Like all the countries, where did you start? When did you start? Well, I, I guess the first country I visited, I can't even remember. I was only one year old. And that was Greece. I was taken there by my parents. But that was my first journey, even though I, I, I couldn't really, uh, I didn't decide on it my, myself. So, you know, I've been to all these countries since um, since 2000, all 198 countries. And I finished this in 2015. So I guess in, in 13 years, I visited every country um, in the world. So it, it took all my money. Uh, it, it took <laughs> my entire, all my holidays. Most of my weekends, and um, it probably cost me a few friends, and you know all the rest of it. Not being oh. able to hang out with my friends back home as much as I wanted, but at the same time, I met so many incredible people and new friends in new countries. So I, I that clearly compensated. Lovely, that's that's nice. So, what was your inspiration behind traveling? Like you know, taking up this thing, going to every country. I think I have to go back quite a few years to find that. I, again, I was uh, I was only four years old, and I only had one brother at the time. I now have three brothers and three sisters. But Einstein, my brother and me, we were the only one. And my dad, he was working in the Pacific Ocean as a medical doctor on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. My mom, or our mom, she was home in on the, in a small village on the rural west coast of Norway, looking after us. And we couldn't read, being only four and my brother was two so our dad he um, he recorded these audio cassette tapes from the ship and and from various destinations around the pacific ocean and he told these incredible stories um about his adventures uh, people he encountered in the philippines it was in china it was in alaska in canada uh, and it was it was truly incredible and i just even being even being only four years old it made such an impact 
And I just remember, wow, I, I want to travel as well. I want to see the world. Even though I, I was four years old, I couldn't quite grasp the concept that our dad was on the other side of the world in a boat. Because our mom, she told us, no, the world is round and he's actually on the other side. And this, for a four-year-old, that concept didn't make any sense because that meant he would have to be upside down, of course. So, <laughs> but, it, but it made such an impact. And I, I, you know, I think that was what really sort of at least pushed me into traveling. And then later on, when I uh, left Europe, I went to more uh, interesting, what, not interesting, but to me, to, to me as a European, more interesting countries. And the first countries I visited outside uh, the Western world were uh, India, uh, China, uh, Kyrgyzstan and Kazakhstan. So those were also the four first countries that I that really made an impact where things were really, really different to, to that in, in, in West in Europe and, and Northern, North America. And then I, I decided I'm going to have to visit all the Stan countries because Kyrgyzstan and Kazakhstan made such an impact on me due to the, uh, due to the it was so different. And people were so accommodating. They, sh they showed great hospitality and the scenery was incredible. People invited us home to, for dinner. They, they showed us around, took us on mountain trips and all the rest of it. And then I finished this a few years later. I finished visiting all the Stan countries and I sort of needed another girl. And then I, I decided to visit every country in the world. That was, that was in 2008 and I finished, um, well, five years, five and a half years later. So um, I, I guess um, quite uh, hectic years, those, uh, but um, never regretted any any of it. <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean, like it started so early, like you were four. It did, yeah. And I, so I, I should, I guess, I should thank my dad for being such a good storyteller and for sending us these cassette tapes. He sent them to us, and, and uh, my brother and me, we ran down uh, to the mailbox, because the mailboxes in Norway are mm -hmm. typically 100 meters from your house. Okay. So we had to run down the road, and every day we looked for this special envelope that he sent, sent this in. And once or twice a month, uh, it was there. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we cheered hooray and picked it up and ran back to the kitchen, put it into the uh, audio cassette player and pressed play. And just we sat there silent as, uh, you know, as, as, as lights. And you can imagine uh, kids of two and four year olds are never silent for a long period of time. And, and yet he managed he managed to capture uh, our attention for, you know, 15, 20, even sometimes 24 minutes with his uh, incredible stories. So that was, um, yeah, it, it got to me at a very young age. I was I was lucky in that respect. So I guess I, maybe he felt he had to compensate for being away for us for, <laughs> you know, while we were so young. So, but it was a good way of, of doing it, I would say. So um, I, I never blamed him for not being there. I, I'm not sure about my mom. You know, she had to raise us uh, for for about nine months uh, on her own. But but still, to um, to me that that's meant. Um, a lot of inspiration for for future travels. Your story, in fact, is quite inspiring. I'm sure for others and even our listeners. So that's wonderful. Wow. <laughs> well, I hope so. <laughs> I hope yes, so. it is. <laughs> okay, cool. So uh, let's uh, let's talk about your book, which has got a very interesting title and which is so totally in sync with what has happened with you. How I ran out of countries. <laughs> so 
<laughs> so tell us something about your book. Well, my book is, uh, because I've written uh, sort of 21 main chapters, and they are theme chapters. I didn't want to do this geographically. I didn't want to do the countries alphabetically. I mean, that doesn't make sense unless it's a sort of an encyclopedia or something. Mm-hmm. So I, I themed it. So there, there is one chapter about uh, amazing food, which I encountered in various countries. There is one chapter on on partying. There is one chapter on on. Uh, it's I think it's called um, uh, love and uh, marriage. I think oh, <laughs> I almost got married. Uh, you, it doesn't matter. Uh, oh, one second, one second. You almost got married. I, I almost got married. Yeah, it's it's uh, crazy. What is I, almost? <laughs> no, okay. Well, I, I I guess I have to tell you tell you the the story. Um, I was traveling a lot to South Korea uh-huh. for work, and I was speaking there at numerous conferences. And one of these conferences mm-hmm. was organized by a lovely girl, a local Korean girl. And um, we got talking and, she, you know, she was so helpful and, and funny and all the rest of it. So mm-hmm. I just, I, I have to ask this girl out for coffee. Okay. So I asked her out for coffee and, and she declined. Uh, and, you know, and, I, and I'm really shy with girls. So this was awful. But, you know, I, I saw so I was so far away from home and I was so, I, I, you know, I, I was so attracted to her. So I asked her out for coffee one more time and she still declined. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. But, but luckily, I passed by her one last time that that um, that day, the first day of the conference, and she said, "She okay? Well, she, since you asked three times, it's okay." And we got, so we got to, we went out for a coffee, we ended up having a beer, and we kept in touch, and uh, we just started, you know, sending emails and, and letters, and we chatted and everything. So uh, a while, uh, a few years later, we're still in touch, and um, I don't know, we just totally fell in love with you, with each other, and I uh, proposed to her, and she um, accepted. Again, it took me three times. Again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you three times proposed to her, and on the third time, you was, she said yes. Absolutely. So I guess um, maybe this is a Korean thing. I'm not. I'm not quite sure, but that, that's what what happened. Okay. And then we were, we of course we were engaged, and and she was traveling a lot to Norway. I was traveling a lot to Korea. We were trying to spend as much time as possible together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then three months before the wedding, uh, and then this is the way it is in Korea. So I traveled over there because we were going to do our marriage photo, our wedding photos. Uh, because in Korea, this is a very important part of the, the wedding day. You, you show the guests your wedding photos. So these are actually taken, taken in advance. Mm-hmm. So we, we took our wedding photos in probably 10 or 12 locations. She had like three different dresses on and in different locations. I had two tuxedos and a suit and, you know, it, it was lovely. Uh, both in Seoul, which is a major city, and also just outside in the forest and nearby river, uh, it, it was beautiful. Um, and then, so we got the wedding photos, and then we started fighting so much about random stuff, you know. And we just, uh, we just decided, we just realized that we were not really meant for each other after all. I guess maybe it was the realization that we were just about to move move in together, you know. Uh, to, mm-hmm. to, so we broke up, you know, we have our wedding photos and then we broke up. So it was it was so close, but it never happened. <laughs> oh, that is, I don't know now, shall I say that is sad 
Oh, well, so it was it was uh, it was uh, it was sad at the time, absolutely. But it, it's part of life, and yeah. um, it, it taught me a lot but then about. But since you guys uh, were already fighting, so it's better that it did not work out. Otherwise, you guys would fight again. Well, that's that's a that's a, a huge possibility. So uh, maybe it happened for a reason, or maybe that's what it took for us to realize that hey, if we if we're fighting before the marriage, come on, <laughs> it's going to be awful. <laughs> So I don't know, but yeah, it, it was it was very sad, uh, of course. Um, and this is now this was in 2011, so it's uh, yeah, it's five years ago. Oh, so this is like one of the chapters in your book. It, well, this is uh, well. I said there are 21 theme chapters, and okay. under every theme chapter, I have one chapter for every country. Okay. So the South Korea chapter is yeah. under uh, love and marriage. Okay. Uh, and of course, some some uh, chapters are under other, um, uh, some countries are under other theme chapters. So that was about your book. Um, now, since you were talking about, uh, since you said that you know you ran out of money and then you travel all the countries, so I have to ask you, how did you manage your finances, or like how did you save for the trips? Like, do you have any tips for our listeners? Or people who want to try traveling to different countries just like you did? Well, uh, first of all, I think uh, traveling isn't necessarily about different countries. Um, and I know a lot of people, they've uh, never been outside their country. Uh, and they still, they travel inside their country. It might even be uh, around their own city or region. Uh, and I think every person who wants to travel, they should sort of start small. And it's the same if you're talking about football. You know, no one is going to start playing football today and play in the World Cup final in, in a week <laughs> tomorrow. So that's that's not going to happen. So, so even traveling is sort of about uh, gaining experience and, and practicing. Um, and, and that's a good way of, you know, just realizing, no, I actually like seeing new places, even though it's, it's not far away. And, and when you get into that, when you get that feeling, I love this, you know, that's when you start thinking about, okay, I should really save up for this. And so it, dep it depends on your level of traveling. If you're going to travel to every country or you're going to travel to 50 countries or, or, or 10 or whatever your, your goal is, you will need some, you need some money. You can do it very cheaply. You can hitchhike to many places by, by car or by boat. Um, you can stay at other people's uh, couches, like Couchsurfing, a big website where you, where you get to stay for free at other people's um, houses. Um, you can buy food in the marketplaces instead of eating in restaurants. So, so you don't necessarily need a lot of money. Um, so, but you need a determination. Uh, and I've spent, I told you I've spent all my money on traveling, you know, for the, since, I don't know, since uh, 2004 or something. And I've never regretted, but, you know, I had to forsake a lot of things. I never, uh, I, I, you know, I haven't had a car in, in years. I needed to have a car ages ago. But that was a banger. I bought it for $300 or something, and I needed it to get to work. But since I've moved to Oslo, and I know, and now live in the capital city of Norway, I live in the middle of a town, and I don't need a car. So I don't have a car, because that's really expensive here with insurances and road taxes and, and petrol and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. So, and I don't have, I don't have any, uh, what should I say, um, uh, fancy clothing. You know, I don't have any... Uh, I don't even know the brands like Prada or or Gucci or whatever. I don't care about that. Well, uh, you know the main two, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. That I do agree with you on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so so might be I might be. Um, uh, 
I might be committing crimes against fashion, but you know that's not. I, I prefer to spend my money in in different ways. So I never had a CD collection. Of course, I, I I'd rather spend my money on traveling than buying CDs. So this is sort of the things that I've all, always you know used my money uh, for traveling, and that means, of course, in many cases, plane tickets or bus tickets. It's accommodation and it's food. And you know, food. I I told you earlier, uh, just trying the different kinds of food in different countries. I, I don't think you've really travelled until you have tried uh, and sat down properly, uh, preferably with with people from the country you're you're in, and and you know tried various kinds of food. It's such a such an important part of culture. So, did you try out different local cuisines, or like do you stick to one specific stuff when you go to places? I try everything. You know, there. I don't think. Uh, I don't think I've turned down anything. And I've, I've, you know, I've, people find this awful, or some people find this awful. But you know, I've tried dog food. No, not dog food. Sorry, dog meat. <laughs> Very different. Uh, I, no, I actually haven't tried dog food. But I've tried uh, dog meat. I've tried snake. I've tried, uh, you know, guinea pig. Uh, pretty much, you know, insects. Whatever you are are, are offered. Um, I might not necessarily like it, but I do at least try it. And and I've tried worm in South Africa, oh and you know, various okay. kinds of. So, which one was your favorite? I know that's that's a very very difficult question. <laughs> I I love I'm, I totally love seafood, um, fresh seafood, and of course, in you have the the huge fish market in Tokyo, for instance. Mm-hmm. You have you have a, a really big fish market in uh, Maputo in Mozambique, uh, in the Pacific Ocean, in, in Marshall Islands. You have so much uh, fish. So uh, it'd probably be uh, really, you know, a variety of really fresh seafood probably would be my, my number one. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I also like uh, vegetarian stuff, a lot of amazing vegetarian dishes, uh, I, I, you know, in India and elsewhere. And the best steaks in the world are probably in Argentina, even though Japan is not very far behind and so on. So, so now I just... You know, I I love trying the different tastes. Oh my god! In the favorite one as well, you answered so many cuisines in so many places. So <laughs> definitely, you like trying a lot of stuff. Cool. Let's come to the travel stories and tell me out of all the travel stories that you had, which one's your favorite? Well, I there are so many. It's it's very difficult to pick a favorite. But the the story I probably tell the most is from Turkmenistan, and we drove in by taxi from Iran. We walked across uh, the border. Um, and Turkmenistan is one of three countries in the world where you need a visa to enter as a tourist. Uh, and you, no, not a visa, you need a tour guide. Uh, of course, you need a visa in many countries where you need a tour guide to enter as a tourist. So um, this huge man, two meters and five centimeters tall, uh, with uh, incredibly big hands, were standing on a border welcoming us after we went through passport control and had our visa stamped and everything. And he said, just hello, well, welcome to Turkmenistan. My name is Oleg. Uh, <laughs> I said, hello, Oleg, uh, how are you? So why are you in Turkmenistan? Are you here for drink or for girls? <laughs> <laughs> and, and we said, wow, okay, that, was, that, was, uh, that came out of the blue. And I, <laughs> what did you say, girls? <laughs> no, I, so I told him, no, but Oleg, and we, we all, all four of us had girlfriends at the time. Oh, okay. So, so um, I, I told Oleg, I, no, I'm sure we're going to have some drinks, okay. but we all have girlfriends. And he, he replied, so? <laughs> <laughs> 
So clearly, you know, that was not a problem. And, you know, he could tell lot, lots of tales of people coming from Iran uh, because, it, it, well, it, as you know, it's quite strict there with, with regards to, uh, to how you can behave between the genders, unless you're married, of course. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> and I, but I tried to be diplomatic. So I told, uh, but I asked uh, Oleg, but Oleg, do you not believe in love? And where, whereupon he responded, love was invented by the French. <laughs> The French were too cheap to pay for prostitutes. Oh, my God, okay. <laughs> so, you know, this is the first person we meet in a country. And, you know, and this is how we are greeted. And, and it was just it was just like, wow, okay, this is really crazy. This is this is very special. Of course, we were and we were then taken into Ashgabat, uh, the capital. We picked up a lot of food in a market because we we're going out in, into the Karakum Desert where you have the gate to hell. It's sort of a big crater, 70 meters across, where a gas is burning in the bottom. Uh, so, so they call it the, the, the gateway, the door to hell, or the gateway to hell. And it certainly looks like it, especially at night, when it's totally dark, there are no lighting, there are no roads, there are no villages, no nothing nearby. And it's totally dark, except for this huge crater. So that's where we're going. So, we, of course, we had to buy a lot of uh, well, food and drinks and everything before driving out there in, in four-wheel drive vehicles okay. to uh, witness this and to stay overnight in, in the Karakum Desert. But, it, you know, the start, uh, <laughs> and, of course, uh, this is my favorite tourist attraction in the world. There are no tourists there, which is part of the point, and it's, it's, just, it's just so incredible. I mean, it's, it's so unreal, insanely unreal. So it is. It's definitely one of my my top um, picks for for a tourist attraction. But just the introduction to the entire country, the way Oleg greeted us, and, and you know his behavior was was surreal. So I, I guess that's one of the stories I've told uh, quite a few times. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, I'm sure it was very funny and very interesting as well. So were you were you accompanied by your girlfriend that time when you went there? No, then there were four of us and uh, yeah, my brother and two uh, two friends. Oh, so uh, yeah. oh, there were only four guys. Oh, so do you always travel with some company like no, I I don't, and it's a little bit difficult if if you know if I ask people and so would you like to come traveling with me and say yeah yeah of course I would like to where are we going and if I answer Somalia they come up with all sorts of excuses <laughs> you know or some other uh, war ridden country Syria or Afghanistan so it's it's a little bit difficult to get people to join to some countries uh, and I also love traveling on my own so I think I've done it's about half 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 the countries I've traveled with someone. Uh, it's been some ex-girlfriends it's been my brother it's been some of my other siblings it's been friends it's been colleagues so it all depends uh, but I also love the again the freedom I love just you know your your thoughts can really wander uh, and you can really just um, take in everything you see and everything you experience when you travel alone and you don't have to make any compromises and I mean sometimes compromises can be really good and they will make you see a lot of stuff you wouldn't otherwise uh, never see. Um, but uh, it's also good to sometimes just be uh, be the, 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 the boss yourself. 100% of the time you decide what to do, where, where to go, and, what, and, you know, and so on. So, um, and, and again, it's probably the best way of getting in touch with people when you're out traveling. Because if there are two or more of you, you're sort of, you've, you've made this little click, you've made this little group or gang and it might be more difficult to sort of enter this gang, whether it's only two or three or four or however many, by, by an outsider. 
whether it's a, it's a fellow traveler or it's a local person. Oh, so has it ever happened that when you went solo somewhere and then you made a group out there, like met new well, people I'm, and friends? Yeah, that's it has happened and uh, on several occasions. And I mean, you usually get in touch with, with people, uh, nevertheless. Uh, fellow travelers uh, I met a lot of times. Uh, also met, of course, local people. I've been invited to weddings. I've been invited to dinners. Uh, I've been invited to lunch or walks or, or you, you name it. Um, so, but sometimes it might be a little bit more difficult. If, uh, but I mean, as long as you are alone, you are usually the one being approached, especially by local people. Exactly. If you're traveling with someone and and you are the foreigners, it might then be more difficult to um, to get to know um, uh, like a, a single person or you know just one person on on, on the street. Or at oh, least yes. it, this is my experience, but uh, <laughs> this can vary a lot for from person to person. I'm sure. Cool. So so basically, if I give you a choice of you know whether you want to travel with your friends or family or whether you want to go solo so you would pick solo uh no it, it all depends i mean okay. as long as you travel with someone you can share the experiences um and that is a great thing you can discuss what you've seen you know you can yeah. discuss what you're going to do and all the rest of it and by discussing you quite often you come up with a better uh, answer or a better solution than if you just do something on your own. Exactly. So I, I love both and um, you know traveling on my own some of the time and traveling uh, with someone someone on other trips I, I like the combination there of, of doing both so um, I, I, like, I like just changing the way of traveling. Cool. So Ghana, uh, traveling so many countries uh, you know at one go must have been really occupying or tiresome at some time so how do you manage with the jet lag situations like do you do <laughs> yoga or meditation or something like that <laughs> no well, it's a good question i used to have really really bad jet lag but now i don't get jet lag anymore well i've grown out of this or I've, i'm too experienced or i know how to handle myself or, mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. the, the big trick is to um is to whenever you if you go east and on a long long trip obviously you, uh, I always stay up, I stay awake till midnight or, or maybe even later. But, you know, it's so tempting when you land, you know, and it's, you, you, you might not have had much sleep on the plane and you land maybe at nine in the morning or maybe around noon. And it's so tempting then to check into a hotel and just, you know, get a few hours. But if you do that, then you will have jet lag for days and days. If you force yourself even though it's, it's really not what you want to do. You don't want to stay up. But if you force yourself to stay up and explore instead, you know, there are going to be so many impressions, so many things to see. So if you just, um, if you just resist the temptation of, of putting your head on the pillow in a hotel you, and stay up till midnight, uh, you will most likely get rid of, of, of almost all of your jet lag. At least I don't get jet lag anymore. And, and you know, that's the way, way to do it. It's sort of the same if you travel westwards. Uh, but of course, then you tend to um, you, you tend to land later in in the day, um, and so so there's less time you have to stay up. So then it might be trouble sleeping. So so then then the, the trick is still to, to to try to force yourself to to go to bed around midnight or or a little bit later. Wow, no, that was useful. I'm going to try that next time. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess and also all the normal uh, trips, drink a lot of water on the plane. Mm-hmm. I I don't drink alcohol on on the plane either. Uh, well, not when I'm traveling alone, at least. If I did, I'd be a raving alcoholic, the, the amount of, of, of time I spend in airplanes. Uh-huh. Uh, so if I travel with friends, you know, sometimes I, I take a glass of, uh, of wine, um, uh, you know, uh, to, to, um, to share uh, the company uh, and so on. 
But um, no, it, 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 and also I do have a lot of energy, uh, so I, I think I have too much energy for yoga. I, I never really tried it; it was never really tempting me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so so you do practice yoga? No, I've never tried it. I've never tried yoga. Well, that, that was really a useful piece of information. Not yoga, but the jet lag thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, how do you manage packing for trips? Like, um, do you buy stuff along the way, or like, you know, like, do you have any kind of hacks for travelers to pack light or something like that? I um, always travel with hand luggage only. I, I never check in luggage, um, and there are many reasons for that. Uh, first of all, I like to be much uh, as flexible as possible. I, li- I don't like to have this huge piece of suitcase that I drag along. First of all, everybody can see uh, I'm a tourist. Uh, it's I can't just jump on a motorbike or rent a bike or whatever or, or hop on a on a bus. There might not be space for this huge piece of uh, <laughs> of carry bag. Um, second of all, I um, well, it's more environmentally friendly. Um, I am also from the most one of the most expensive countries in the world. So why why the hell would I buy a lot of stuff and take it with me to some country where I could probably buy it cheaper anyway, mm-hmm. and renew my wardrobe and, and all the rest of it? So of course I I do pack uh, you know, um, some extra um, uh, pieces, you know, underwear and and, and t-shirts and, and whatever. But I also pack washing powder. So I'd rather wash um, or buy something new than carry a lot of this stuff with me. And it's all about it's all about the freedom again, being able to do whatever I want, and not having uh, like twenty or thirty or forty kilos of stuff that I probably don't even need. Uh, it sort of slow me uh, slow me down. So so that you know, other than that, I always carry um, I always carry a couple of pens. And an old-fashioned a notebook, a paper notebook, mm-hmm. and and there are so many situations where you have to fill in forms. Uh, you meet someone, you have to exchange uh, addresses or phone numbers. You need to write down the address of your hotel or um, or, or an address where you're meeting someone, or, or you, you name it. And I also there's another thing I always do before I travel. I always print out all my booking numbers. All addresses uh, I'm going to, whether it's hotels or uh, or, or museums or whatever else, um, and and some some airports won't even let you in to the airport unless you have this uh, this booking number available. And of course, you can say, you can, well, you can put it on your your smartphone or, or your tablet or whatever. But I'm I'm you know I'm not gonna. First of all, I, if I'm flashing a smartphone to maybe a taxi driver, that smartphone is probably worth. His yearly wage times two or three, mm. you know, you know that's just going to make it pretty uh, certain that I'm I'm definitely being um, ripped off on on my journey. I have to pay several <laughs> times uh, yeah. the price. Yeah, yeah, and of course, yeah. if I'm flashing a quite an expensive piece of equipment like that, uh, the criminals will take notice. <laughs> you know, it, it's a big risk that I'm actually uh, being robbed, and and they're taking my phone away from me. And of course, it's not. If I lose my phone, you know, it's as long as I don't lose my arm, you know, or I lose my life, which is of course much worse, or you know, I bodily harm, it's still it's still rather inconvenient. I have all my numbers, all my contacts, and all the rest of it are there. So what I I rather do I print. I have everything, all of this, on a piece of paper, and pieces of paper, uh, pieces of paper, they don't run out of battery either. So it's also the, I, I I always do um, do this, and then you need the adapters. 
Um, I always have a sewing kit with me in case of, uh, you know, something I need to fix uh, a garment. Um, so, so I guess uh, it's pretty much, and I, I all my liquids, my my toiletries, I always have them in, in small bottles. I mean, I'm not going to use a big bottle on a trip anyway, and, and if I do, I, I just refill it or I buy some some extra. Um, and it's also to do with with checking in in airports and not being allowed to have a lot of liquid and and all the rest of it. Okay, so 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 hand luggage only. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so since you're talking about all these um, items that you carry, have you ever collected any souvenirs from the places that you go? We used to buy uh, or pick up uh, fridge magnets from uh, from every country. And in some countries, they don't sell fridge magnets. Uh, but then I, you know, I pick up a, a rock from the beach or uh, a piece of rubber I found beside the, the roadside or something. And then I just glued on magnets when I got back home. <laughs> so, so that was my, my and it, they are light. They don't take up a lot of space. But also, of course, I, I've purchased some, um, some art in, in some countries, some masks, for instance, uh, things for, for my kitchen. Um, well, it's small bits and pieces, but uh, you know, again, I don't like to carry a lot of stuff, uh, so um, it's limited. But a, a fridge magnet I have from from uh, I think more or less every country. Uh, hey, I, I like think... fridge magnets too, but I have them from well, only my country. <laughs> <laughs> well, they the almost they were covering my, <laughs> my fridge magnets were covering my fridge at one point. I couldn't see the color of the fridge. That's how many <laughs> fridge magnets there were on it. Okay, so let's move on to the next question. Um, out of all the places you've been, uh, which place do you think has the best party scenes? Oh, there are so many. Ah, <laughs> now there are lots of great party scenes around the world. And I, I, as a matter of fact, uh, two of my friends and me were discussing this. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were sort of discussing this in, in terms of, of major city mm-hmm. and the best cities for, for parties. And um, well, I mentioned uh, Korea earlier. Seoul is a gr- in, in, in South Korea. It's a great town, a great city for, for partying. Um, I love Mumbai. Tokyo is a great, a great city as well. I like London, uh, one of my all ta- all, probably all-time favorite cities. Um, you have Auckland in New Zealand is another one. Uh, and I, I could go on and on, but uh, but there are there are lots of uh, really cool cities. Istanbul as well. I mentioned Istanbul earlier. Yeah. Uh, again, and it's uh, of course divided, and the party scene in Asia and the party scene in in Europe uh, they're quite different, and um, uh, which is part of the attraction. You know, it's uh, a different or a different um, atmosphere uh, in in the two sides. So, like, when you party, it's, like, completely, like, you have a lot of beer and then go on the dance floor and dance? Or is it, like, you meet new people and try to try to connect and all? How is this? Well, to, me on the dance floor is a total uh, disaster. <laughs> so, <coughs> so, that should never happen. <laughs> so, you know, the bouncers tend to take me away from the dance floor if I ever oh, venture. That's how that bad. bad? Oh, it's, it's awful. <laughs> It's it's awful. I've, you know, people have have almost you know people blindfold themselves when I enter the dance floor. It's it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I you know so sometimes I I, I still you know I, it has happened. I've been on the dance floor, but I'm an awful dancer. Even though I'm having fun, no one else is having fun. So I tend to prefer to to have some drinks, uh, to talk to uh, well my friends if I know people there, or to to talk to new people. Um, so it's, it's more about yeah, just chilling, having a good time, relaxing, and um, 
and getting to meet uh, new people or getting to know better, uh, well, uh, people I know from, from before. That's what parties are all about, memories. Absolutely. I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So any interesting airport story you have that you would like to share since traveling consists of so many visits to airports? <laughs> there are, there has definitely been a lot of airports. So I think I, I'm not quite sure. I think I've been to almost 400 airports around the world. Whoa. Okay. And um, but uh, one stand out, or well, two stand out actually. One is Nauru in the Pacific. It's the least visited country in the world. They only have uh, less than two hundred tourists every year. So when I came in there, I landed. Uh, of course, I only had hand luggage as always. So I walked. I didn't have to wait for my luggage. Everybody else had to wait for theirs. Um, and I just walk out and through customs, and I had called them because I was too late to get a visa and I'd call them or the airline had called them on my behalf and asked if it was okay I could get a visa on arrival and they, they reluctantly agreed to give me a visa on arrival luckily uh, so which meant I had to go over there to the custom officer there was only one and, he, and uh, I just said well uh, they just called uh, about my visa and he said oh so you, you are the tourist <laughs> <laughs> So you know, it, it was it was a huge plane. It was a seven three seven, and it was it was almost full because there was um, there was a fish conference or a fishing conference. So there's a lot of foreigners coming there, but you know, I was the only tourist. And um, well, he, he gave, gave me my my visa and everything and let me through. And then I and then I realized that the airport is it's only part of the road because this is a very tiny country if you run around it and I, I ran around the country it's only 19 kilometers and it's one island and one island only which means that the only place they can land a plane is on the road so it's a, it's a part of the island a part of the road is a road slash airport um, <laughs> so I start walking uh, to uh, the hotel well there are only two hotels in Nauru I was going to stay in one of them and you know, eventually, this this guy comes driving with this uh, pickup truck, truck, and asks me, you know, out of the blue, you know, never seen me before, naturally. It's one of the locals. Just ah, oh, you want to you want to ride? <laughs> so I jumped up in the back, and, and he drove me to the drove me to the uh, hotel. You know, not even fearing that I might be some dangerous criminal about to rob him or anything. Wow. Uh, but um, yeah, that was uh, and also in, in but the best airport, the best airport in the world. Um, and he, a lot of people say, no, that's in Seoul or it's the Hong airport in Hong Kong or Bangkok or even in, in Dubai. But the, in reality, the best airport in the world is in St. Lucia in the Caribbean. It's another tiny uh, island country. And the airport is on the beach. There's a small, there's a road uh, between the airport and a, a beach, a white beach, a very fine, beautiful sand. The best sand you can just walk into. Uh, it's like walking on silk. So what I did, I, I checked in, um, and then I had an hour to spare. So I just walk across the road and I go swimming. So after a check-in in an airport, you can go swimming in the Caribbean in the Caribbean Ocean. It was incredible. And then I, you know, I dried up, uh, walked across the road again, uh, went through security, and off we we flew. So <laughs> definitely uh, the best airport experience out there. Interesting. So, uh, Gana, how do you manage all your gadgets? Like, do you carry a bazillion bolt 
battery with you or you know something like that like how do you charge up things your well i try to always have the right adapter uh wherever i go and it's usually not too hard but you have some countries uh, such as uh, south africa they have a plug that's very different to to any other plugs so you have these universal adapters and they mm-hmm. typically work in 153 countries but that means there are uh, well 45 countries they don't work in but i try to have the right adapter so so that shouldn't be a problem and then i also yeah i should i should have said that one about my my luggage or my hand luggage i always have a, a battery as well one of those special um uh, mobile phone charging batteries uh, and that can you know, that can boost your phone or charge your phone like uh, two or three or four times before it runs out and then you have to recharge that again so that that's helped me out of, of quite a few situations as well so um, it hasn't really been that much of a problem. Lovely, Ghana. Thank you so much for those amazing answers. And it was a pleasure talking to you. Well, sure. Uh, likewise, I had so much fun. It's always great to talk about traveling with, with other avid travelers as well. <laughs> and I, I, I love this, um, this podcast of yours, this, uh, this concept, you know, getting so many tips on traveling, getting different viewpoints from around the world. I, uh, I'm sure your listeners are are thrilled to, um, to to get your podcast uh, with various people uh, every so often. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me on your show. So, guys, that was Ghana Golfers, and it was almost like taking a ride through the entire globe through his stories. I'm sure you guys had as much fun as we did, and this is your travel buddy, Shruti, signing off. And we'll be back again with loads of exciting stuff, loads of stories, and another new exciting guest on this podcast. So, till then, do not forget to subscribe to our channel on SoundCloud.